These are no-brainers that are backlogging the healthcare system. It's going to cost more where people will undoubtedly pay from their own pockets. The new strategy to attack the problem of hospital wait times, what the province has in mind, and why critics say it could further fracture an already fragile health care system. Good evening. We'll get to that story in just a moment. But we begin tonight with an update to a holiday tragedy and a father who was shot to death while his young girl helplessly washed. Tonight, family and friends of Garz Korjaki have been given some hope following an arrest in his killing. CTV's Allison Hurst joins us now with all the details. Allison. Residents tell us that after they learned who was charged, they were shocked to realize he also used to live in this apartment building. Two weeks have passed since Gar Sara Kurjakian was shot and killed in his apartment building parkade. Friends are still coming to terms with his loss. He was a family man. He was a nice person. I was even speaking to somebody, somebody today on my floor. They said he was always nice. Now there's a suspect in his death. 37-year-old Deverick Clark was in court today, charged with first-degree murder. Residents tell CTV News he used to live in the same apartment building. How can you sleep at nights when you're thinking of somebody like that right next door? That's the voice of Sarkis Yildirim, who didn't want to go on camera. He lives in the unit next to the one that was Clark's and remembers an argument between Clark and Kurjakian, who lived in the unit above. I guess they were making a noise. The wife and the kid, they were alone in the apartment, and he wasn't underneath their apartment, and I guess he couldn't take the noises, so he went upstairs and he was knocking door very hard. When she, when the Garza's wife, she opened the door, he started screaming and sweating, and she got really scared. Yildirim says Kurjakian confronted Clark after that, and he moved out roughly a year and a half ago. CTV News reached out to the building management, but did not hear back. Online, Clark identifies himself as an author and has an active YouTube channel. I believe there, there was a lot of um, complaints about him. Rahim Ladajuma is a close friend of Kurjakian and his family. He wishes he could have been there for his friend in those final moments when he was shot and killed on December 30th in front of his daughter. He was a friendly guy, you know, um, and, and that's how I remember him. And I, I don't see why anybody would want to target such an individual. One who residents say was always a friendly neighbor. We spoke briefly with Clark's lawyer today who declined to comment, and Clark is back in court on January 20th. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Allison. An update now on that major fire in St. Catharines yesterday. A man who suffered serious burns has now died of his injuries. The fire broke out at a hazardous waste facility, triggering a number of explosions. A staff member was transported to hospital. Police confirmed today that the man in his 30s did not survive. The flames were put out last night and residents forced to leave the area were able to return. The Ontario Fire Marshal's office says it's investigating what caused the initial fire. Turning to the ongoing search for the people involved in Thursday's shooting inside East York Secondary. The incident sent a worker to hospital and has parents and students alike expressing frustration over the ongoing issue of violence in schools. CTV's Janice Golding joins us from outside the school tonight with more on the investigation. Janice. Hi, Michelle. Yes, we've spoken to students, to parents, and people in the community who are all expressing concern about what took place in the school yesterday. Of course, they're also expressing alarm over an increase in violence in our schools as a whole. A continued police presence at East York Alternative High School today after a gun was fired inside a bathroom yesterday. I mean, it's scary. I don't want to get shot. Definitely a pretty scary situation. A little concern for our safety. 
but I don't know. At the same time, I'm not really surprised. Just after 1 p.m., Toronto police responded to a call about a fight. When they arrived, it, it wasn't exactly clear that there had been uh, a discharge of a firearm within that washroom. There was no clear evidence that that had happened. I think people may have heard some sort of sound, but there was no evidence of it. Some time later, however, a bullet was discovered in the shoe of an outreach worker who tried to break up the altercation before police arrived. My understanding is that the firearm was discharged towards the floor. It bounced around and eventually came to land on an outreach worker's shoe. The worker was taken to hospital, but only sustained bruising. Still, people who live in the area say this incident is very alarming. My kids went to a school where the worst thing that happened was people smoking weed, so it's a horrible, horrible thing. I think it's tragic. It's I, unfortunately probably signs of stress in our society. It has been a very violent year in Toronto schools. On Halloween, an 18-year-old was shot to death outside Woburn Collegiate, and a grade 12 student was stabbed and critically injured at Birchmont Park Collegiate two weeks later. While the gun used in yesterday's shooting was not immediately recovered, our cameras did capture images of what appeared to be a handgun outside the school. It's definitely nerve-wracking, and with the fact that they can even get them at such a young age is definitely scary. In fact, a recent report by the TDSB indicates Toronto's public board is on track toward having its most violent year on record if trends continue as they are. It's obviously upsetting and pretty disturbing. Um, you know, this isn't the first time since September started. There's been a few schools that have gone through this, Scarborough and now here. Police believe up to six students were involved in yesterday's incident but fled prior to their arrival. The school board says it is taking a number of steps to address safety issues in its schools. Uh, chief among them, it is waiting on recommendations from an expert reference group as well. It's creating safe school audit teams. However, the TDSB says it cannot do this alone. It says it needs help from various levels of government to try to figure out the root causes of an increase in youth violence in our community schools. Reporting live from Janice Golding, now back to Michelle. Thanks, Janice. Privacy groups are sounding the alarm and warning of more cyber attacks to come. What you can do to protect your data and restore digital trust. That's coming up. The snow has come and gone from much of us, but now it's that bitter cold we need to deal with. Here's a live look at the city right now as the weekend is set to begin. Hopefully some sunshine, but that usually means cooler temperatures, Lindsay. And that will be the case this weekend, Nathan. First, though, we do still have a couple of flurries in some parts of the GTA. I'll step aside here so you can see it. Brampton over toward Woodbridge and in through downtown Toronto right now. Earlier today, we had some lingering snow uh, making its way through Scarborough over toward Durham and into the Brighton area. But gone is the bulk of that system that brought us the snow overnight and early this morning. We're still dealing with some pretty strong winds that are coming directly out of the north. Got close to about 50 kilometers per hour and as a result it's already cold minus five degrees this hour in Toronto minus 13 the wind chill cold air settles in for tonight and is going to be with us through the weekend but the upside we do have some sunshine to look forward to all of your weekend weather details are coming up for now though Nathan I'll send it back to you all right thank you Lindsay Increasing debate tonight over your health care options and the province's plan to ease the problem of hospital backlog. There is word tonight the Ford government may be eyeing a private solution, which is triggering a very public dispute. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris has been following this story and joins us now with more Siobhan. In an atmosphere where the wait for a surgery can go on for years, the government will have to try and convince Ontarians that private clinics are not the proverbial boogeyman and can help. But there is worry this might be a plan that will cost more and deepen problems in our hospitals. 
With Ontario's surgical backlog estimated to be more than one million procedures, for-profit clinics are expected to take on a bigger role. Citing senior government sources, the Canadian press reports thousands of more surgeries will be performed at independent facilities. It's something the government has been laying the groundwork for since summer, including this week. People don't care where they have to go as long as it has the same regulations, same top-notch doctors that are working in the hospital that may have some hours to go into another area in a different uh, facility and operating. The plan expected to be unveiled early next week will reportedly focus first on cataract surgeries, then knee and hip replacements and diagnostic tests. We do need to be bold and innovative. But the head of the Ontario Medical Association says any plan to tackle the surgical backlog needs to stick to certain principles. Publicly funded as well as integrated into the hospital system in order to provide equity when we're caring for our patients. Access is a concern for new Democrats. If you are a few healthy and wealthy, it may help you for the vast majority of Ontarians it will mean our public sector will be worse. A former deputy health minister and hospital CEO says leaning harder on for-profit centres would be a mistake. It's going to cost more where people will undoubtedly pay from their own pockets in an unregulated fashion and where the kind of quality controls that are present in Ontario hospitals simply don't exist. That's despite repeated assurances from the Premier. Ontarians will always access the health care they need with their OHIP card, never their credit card. But Dr. Bell is skeptical clinics will be subject to the same pricing limits as hospitals. Nobody is going to be looking over the shoulder of private operators who have a huge incentive to increase their profits. The College of Physicians and Surgeons is panning more privatization, saying it won't help with the staffing crunch and will make hospital wait times worse. The fear is that nurses in particular will be pulled away from hospitals to those private clinics where the work is a bit more stable and so are the hours. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Siobhan. Meanwhile, the hospital for sick children says it's ready to resume more surgeries as patient numbers stabilize following a severe surge. In November, SickKids said it would put some procedures on hold so hospital staff could redeploy. They were brought in to support the ICU and emergency room as more children became seriously ill from a wave of respiratory illnesses. But the situation has improved and surgery bookings will increase starting Monday. Well, on the heels of last week's LCBO data breach, you might be excused if you think everyone everywhere is getting hacked all the time. Well, experts say it's not that bad, but they are on the rise. CTV's Sean Lethong looks into reasons behind the spike and what you can do to keep your info safe. The data breach at the LCBO appears to be part of a troubling trend. More cyber attacks targeting retailers and institutions. And so I think we're seeing a lot of this because it's opportunity-based. A lot of people are doing online shopping, using online checkouts. Francis Sims, professor at Humber College, says that as e-commerce has increased, attacks like the LCBO, uh, game time in 20. also BetMGM, Ticketmaster, and Amazon have become more common, calling it low-hanging fruit for criminal organizations. Credit card skimming, basically no different than if you go to a gas station and uh, your credit card is copied at that gas station. He says personal information can be sold for small amounts of cash, estimating between 50 and 100,000 similar attacks in 2022 alone. 
Last month's data breach at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto is another example. It was a ransomware attack, which is slightly different, but also on the rise. Large private and public sector organizations isn't a question of if they are going to be attacked. It's a question of when they are going to be attacked. Charles Finley from the Rogers Cybersecurity Catalyst at Toronto Metropolitan University says ransomware attackers often operate in countries like Russia, Iran and North Korea with government backing and that those attacks will only increase. It is the new normal. Uh, and in fact, it's really the beginning of the new normal. Despite the frequency of these data breaches, one expert we spoke to said that these are not something that consumers should just put up with. This is not acceptable. We should all be more enraged about this than we actually are. Tech expert Carmi Levy says that businesses and governments aren't doing nearly enough to protect the valuable personal information they collect putting the onus on consumers to protect themselves. Little simple changes in behavior can go a long way toward reducing our exposure, even if the companies that we deal with aren't able to uphold their end of the bargain. Suggested changes like do not use the same password more than once, no partner children or pet names, and remove unused apps from your phone. Also, consider what you share on social media. Don't respond to memes and don't respond to online surveys. Sean Lee Thung. CTV News. The biggest property tax hike since amalgamation is expected for Toronto, but our neighbors think we have nothing to complain about. We compare. Coming up. Police in Durham region have made an arrest in a mass shooting in Ajax over the summer. Just after 1 a.m. on August 1st, police were called to the back of a business on Harwood Avenue South, where an outdoor gathering was taking place. They found five people suffering from gunshot wounds. Two more victims were later identified. Investigators say 28-year-old Bilal Khan of Scarborough now faces several charges. Police say they're looking for information on two other suspects. And York Regional Police have arrested two people as part of a homicide investigation in Markham. On the evening of November 4th, emergency crews were called to an apartment on Buchanan Drive and found a woman's body. Ten days later, a Canada-wide warrant was issued. 38-year-old Shi Chow Dong and 35-year-old Lena Rong were picked up in Montreal. They are both charged with first-degree murder. It was a crash that claimed six young lives in Barrie last summer. You may remember they were all in a car that plunged into a concrete pit. A construction company's been charged, and now we're getting our first look at court documents that suggest this tragedy could have been prevented. CTV's Mike Walker reports. Nearly five months after six young lives were lost in a tragic crash at a Barrie construction site, police have charged Conjuring Group, one of the province's largest construction companies, with six counts of criminal negligence causing death. The grieving family of Curtis King telling CTV News, this is a huge step in our healing process. Our home is broken. It was back on August 28th when police discovered the deadly crash scene at the construction site along Mackay Road. The car plunged into a deep concrete pit where road and sewer work was being done for a new development, claiming the lives of Luke West, Haley Marin, Curtis King, Jersey Mitchell, River Wells and Jason Ono O'Connor. All were in their 20s. Criminal negligence is when somebody does not carry out a duty or responsibility that they must do. And as a result of something that was not done has led us to where the Barry Police Service laid the criminal charge of criminal negligence causing death. 
Court documents obtained by CTV News show that police alleged between August 9th and 27th, Condrain failed to properly sign and barricade the temporary road closure of Mackay Road between County Road 27 and Veterans Drive as per the traffic management plan, causing the deaths of the six young adults. The police and the Crown will have to prove not only was the company reckless in terms of what they did or didn't do, that there was no other potential cause to this. Police have charged Condrain instead of individual workers at the site. It is rather unique to have this type of situation take place, um, but it, it does happen. Generally speaking, it's one of the more serious offenses in the Criminal Code of Canada. Uh, for an individual, it could mean life imprisonment. That's the maximum penalties. Initially treated as a missing persons case, police believe the group were on their way to the casino at Georgian Downs and that about 20 hours before the discovery, the car had crashed into the concrete pit. In a statement, Barry CAO Michael Prowse says the city has cooperated fully with Barry Police with respect to all aspects of their investigation into this tragic accident. The city is not privy to the results of their investigation, and as charges have been laid, it is inappropriate for us to comment further on any aspect of the incident. Conjuring declined to comment with the matter now before the courts. The company's next court date is scheduled for February 13th. Mike Walker, CTV News, Barry. Two more members of Haiti's political elite are being barred from Canada. Ottawa sanctioned the pair today over what the government says is their support for criminal gangs. Former MP Arnel Belazaire and businessman Charles St. Remy will also not be permitted to have any financial dealings in Canada. The federal government has already sanctioned 13 others. In New York, Donald Trump's company has been ordered to pay $1.6 million fine for tax fraud. The sentence was delivered today after two Trump Organization executives were found guilty last month of 17 criminal charges. They evaded personal income taxes on perks such as free apartments, luxury cars, and private school tuition. The former U.S. president was not charged and denied any knowledge of the wrongdoing. Meanwhile, Joe Biden will deliver his State of the Union address next month. Please. Thank you so much. The U.S. president accepted an invitation today from House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to address a joint session of Congress February 7th. The White House says Biden looks forward to delivering the speech. It's his first since Republicans took control of the House of Representatives. Toronto's top cop is defending his service's expected budget hike. During a meeting in the lead-up to the vote, Myron Demkew says the funding is critical to properly protecting the city. But as CTV's Beth McDonnell explains, critics continue to push back, arguing there are better ways to spend the money. At a city budget meeting, Toronto Police Chief Myron Demkew laid out the case for upping officer resources. My role and goal is not to grow our service for the sake of growing. Police say emergency calls are up 14.3% compared to last year. Demkew says police are operating in a city with complex public safety issues and based on their numbers, response times lag. In 2022, he says of the more than 48,000 Priority 1 calls, which indicate a danger to life, there were no units, at least initially, in virtually half of those calls. And when there was no unit, the average response time was over 30 minutes. The remaining calls, where there was a unit, took an average of more than 12 minutes to respond, twice the target of six minutes. How quickly a police officer gets to your door when it's an emergency, or how long you wait to speak to a call taker when you call 911, when those metrics tell us 
that we can't adequately meet the demand in a growing city. We have a responsibility to ask for the investment we need to do that. Mayor John Tory is proposing a $48.3 million budget increase to the force that would see 200 more officers on the street. There are activists and community groups who would rather see that money directed to addressing poverty, helping racialized communities and mental health supports. Willowdale's Lily Chang is concerned about the response times. She sits on the police services board, which recently approved the budget increase. We should be talking about setting some real goals uh, and not just adding police, but making sure that we are approaching our benchmark. Chang is also one of seven newly elected city councillors who signed a letter wanting the budget to prioritize investments in social services. The crisis in our city is homelessness, mental health and addiction. So we want to see a meaningful and significant investment in that area. And I think that investing in that area will make a difference in the sense of community safety. City Council will consider the mayor's budget February 14th. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. The police funding hike is not the only line item on this year's budget, raising a few eyebrows. The planned property tax increase has more than a few residents crying foul. But as CTV's Natalie Johnson explains, for those outside Toronto, it's a case of welcome to the neighbourhood. A decaf maple latte might be less expensive in Pickering Village than in Toronto. But the property taxes are not. Latte is ready. Just ask Arun Pal, who used to live in Scarborough and now pays double in Durham. It's definitely a, a remarkable difference for costs here. Or Ann Simpkins, who's lived here for 40 years and has always paid more tax than Torontonians. We're just used to it. We, we wish it was less, but we're just used to it. But west of the Rouge, Torontonians are bemoaning an incoming hike, a 5.5% residential property tax increase. When you include a bump to the special fund for transit and housing, the average Toronto home will pay $3,569 in municipal taxes this year, $233 more than last. 2023 is going to be a difficult year. Everything is going to skyrocketing. A reality check for a city that has historically paid less than its neighbours. Needless to say, our property tax rates are incredibly low relative to the region of the province. Last year, Toronto once again topped the list with the cheapest residential property taxes in the GTA. A Zucasa analysis shows that for a house assessed at a million dollars, Toronto taxes cost $6,300. Oshawa residents paid more than 13000 Mississauga in the middle at about 8300 Unlike the city of Toronto, the city of Mississauga does not have the same revenue tools. The Toronto Act um, allows the city of Toronto access to tools that other municipalities don't have. Like the municipal land transfer tax, a revenue tool that has helped Toronto balance the books while keeping property taxes low. So while this hike might feel steep in the six, I would love to see a tax bill from a Toronto resident and compare it to ours. This Ajax resident says she's not surprised that Toronto's time has come for a bigger bill. Good luck, Toronto. Join the club. A club that no one really wants to pay to join. Natalie Johnson, CTV News.
Toronto homeowners are also facing an approaching deadline to declare whether their properties are occupied or not. A new tax on vacant homes takes effect this year. Officials say the measure will increase housing supply and discourage owners from leaving residential properties empty. The city issued a reminder today that homeowners must declare their property status by February 2nd or they could be hit by the tax or a fine. You can do so online. It's a quick process. There's heartbreak in Hollywood and across the entertainment world today after the death of Lisa Marie Presley. A singer-songwriter in her own right, Lisa Marie also served as a dedicated keeper of her father's musical legacy. Los Angeles County paramedics were dispatched to a home yesterday morning where Presley was listed as a resident for reports of a woman in cardiac arrest. Later on, Priscilla Presley confirmed the death of her daughter, Lisa Marie, at age 54, calling her the most passionate, strong, and loving woman I have ever known. There's been a deluge of tributes from fans and celebrities alike. Leanne Rhymes tweeted, Lisa Marie Presley, how heartbreaking. I hope she is at peace in her dad's arms. My heart goes out to her family. Too much grief in just a couple of years. John Travolta wrote on Instagram, Lisa, baby girl, I'm so sorry. I'll miss you, but I know I'll see you again. My love and heart goes out to Riley, Priscilla, Harper, and Finley. And music fans are also mourning the co-founder of one of Canada's most successful rock bands. Robbie Bachman's drumming helped power BTO to great heights, releasing numerous hits and selling millions of albums. CTV's Bill Fortier reports. He provided the beat for the high-octane tunes that helped define 1970s rock. Robbie Bachman was one of the founding members of Bachman-Turner Overdrive, known as BTO. Thursday evening, Robbie's brother, bandmate, and rock icon Randy Bachman announced Robbie's death in a tweet, writing, He was an integral cog in our rock and roll machine, and we rocked the world together. Also posting a photo of the band from the 70s. Here's something that you never forget. Baby, you just nothing yet. Robbie Bachman sat behind the drum kit for smash hits, including You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, let it ride and taking care of business. BTO's founding members disbanded in 1980, but reunited in 2014 as they were inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame by astronaut Chris Hadfield. This came at a good time and we're very honored to get it. That wasn't Robbie Bachman's only brush with space travelers. In 2006, the crew of NASA's shuttle Atlantis used taking care of business as their wake-up call. Atlantis, Houston, on the big loop. Good morning. A backbeat that has transcended our world and spanned generations of fans. A life that's now part of Canadian rock history. Robbie Bachman was 69 years old. Bill Fortier, CTV News, Edmonton. Coming up, she was convinced it was her bank looking out for her, but a simple phone call cost the senior thousands. How to weed out the scammers next.
Well, all weather advisories issued by Environment Canada have come to an end here in southern Ontario, but Toronto Public Health has issued an extreme cold weather alert. It's been about three weeks since we've had temperatures this cold, and as we know, January has been fairly mild. So it's going to be a little bit of a shock to the system this weekend, but we do have sunshine in store. Milder air returns next week. We'll show you if it will be mild enough for rain or snow when active weather arrives next week. So those details in your weather forecast coming up. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. A warning tonight about crooks who pretend to work for a bank all in an effort to swindle people out of their cash. CTV's Peter Sperling has the story of one Ontario senior who fell victim to the scam and what it cost her. This is her. It took just one phone call for Maureen Magus to be out $15,000. I've worked a long time to, to give myself some comfortable living. The Ottawa senior says she's a victim of a telephone banking scam. It started when she returned a phone call. It was a voicemail she believed was legitimate about fraudulent activity on her visa line of credit. That there was some fraud on my card for about $1,300 for a purse that I would never spend. The caller seemed to know her, asked to verify details. It's the bank. They knew my mother's maiden name. They knew, you know, a certain amount of numbers. They knew part of my social insurance number. All these things, which made sense to me. But it wasn't her bank. Turns out it wasn't. It was a fraudster. She says the scammers then had her enter a code and phone number on her landline, possibly forwarding her incoming calls to the scammers, including ones from her actual bank. When she realized the next day that something was off... I cancelled the card, I cancelled my access cards, I stopped everything. She contacted the real fraud department at Scotiabank and thought that was enough to stop, but multiple transactions did go through. In a statement, Scotiabank says they can't comment on individual customer matters because of privacy, but we encourage our customers to be cautious of suspicious websites, text messages, phone calls, or emails that appear to represent trusted organizations requesting personal or financial information. There are steps you can take to protect yourself. Ottawa police say when in doubt, just hang up and call the number on the back of your bank card. They are so organized now that sometimes the call display on your phone will even show that it's coming from your bank or from your credit card company. But you cannot take this as a guarantee that it is. You have to make your own research. You have to look up the number yourself and call the bank yourself. Police say there are thousands of victims each year. Usually once the money's gone, it's gone. Magus still hopeful to get her money back and using this as a warning to others. I never thought I would fall victim to something like this. Peter Sperling, CTV News. It's Friday the 13th, which usually means large crowds of bikers gathering in Port Dover. But winter weather put a damper on today's event. In the summer, yes, it was great. Uh, you couldn't walk through here. There were so many people usually in the summer, but uh, it's not the case today. The tradition dates back to 1981 and usually draws tens of thousands of visitors to Port Dover. Local business owners say turnout has still been decent, but bikers are hoping for more favorable weather next Friday the 13th. 
in October. I guess it's too far to predict that weather no. forecast. This is not motors. <laughs> I can't believe that one gentleman looked like he was about to fall over on slippery conditions. Yeah. Amazing that some people actually took their bikes out today because the weather definitely kind of dampened plans a little bit for people. Slippery conditions at times, cold. Very slippery because we had the rain last night, then the temperature fell, so that created a, a layer of ice, and then we had the fresh snow over top of it, which was blowing and drifting around today. So, yeah, a little bit of a messy start to our Friday. Things are going to be a lot calmer as we make our way into Saturday and Sunday. If you are hoping to make some plans, go ahead and make them. We have some sun that you'll be able to soak up. Just make sure you dress for being outdoors. It's going to be cold. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. So that snow this morning, yeah, we warned you, you'd probably be waking up to a couple of wet, slushy centimeters of snow. It is now tapering off on the satellite and radar. We had a stretch across Highway 401 uh, through Durham region, and then even further east than that, dealing with uh, bursts of snow through the day today. Tapering off, including for here in the city of Toronto, there's what's left of the system, which is going to make for a messy mix of weather conditions across the Maritimes this weekend, and eventually into Newfoundland. We say goodbye to that low pressure system and hello to high pressure. You know, we're going to have our first fully sunny day in more than three weeks. Uh, it was the first day of winter, December 21st, that we last had an ex a prolonged period of sunshine. As we look at our forecast radar, conditions clear through the overnight hours tonight. There's your Saturday afternoon. Might still see a little bit of cloud cover hugging uh, the Niagara area, perhaps over toward Kingston, but for the most part, clearing is the trend we can expect and then it's a blue sky day for your Sunday. Even into Monday, things are looking pretty pleasant. We'll gradually see a little more uh, cloud cover build in and at that point, the temperature is going to be back on the rise. In fact, we're going to be back above the freezing mark through the early part of next week. That is not the case tonight. Look at these overnight lows, minus 13 degrees in Waterloo in Peterborough. Uh, wind chill minus 25 overnight tonight in Perry Sound. We won't be quite that cold here in Toronto, but again, shock to the system compared to what we've become used to in recent weeks. Look at the winds. They're still very strong, gusting close to about 60 kilometers per hour and coming directly out of the north. So that contributes to the biting wind chills. Here is your weekend forecast. I'm pleased to bring you this sunny forecast. Again, I just remind you, though, to dress accordingly. As we make our way into the early part of next week, the temperature is back above freezing just in time on Tuesday for us to see a little bit of active weather. Uh, we might see some mixed precipitation as a result of that temperature jumping once again. At this point, it looks like a few flurries on Thursday and maybe some mixing by next Friday. That's your look at the weather. Michelle, over to you. Thanks, Lindsay. An update from Hamilton on the city's latest wastewater leak. Officials say about 59 million liters of sewage spilled from 11 homes over the last 26 years. The leak was discovered on Monday. It was the result of an old pipe that was connected to a storm sewer. Repairs have now been completed. Now, the city had been inspecting sewers in the area after a separate, much bigger leak was found last November. Also tonight, the doubling of Kraken cases in Canada. How concerned are the experts about the most transmissible variant to date and what you can do to steer clear of it? There is
there's a growing number of cases of the new COVID-19 subvariant in this country. The Public Health Agency of Canada says infections related to the so-called Kraken strain have doubled. 42 have been reported this week. The virus has also spread quickly through the United States. Health reporter Pauline Chan has more on what health officials are calling the most transmissible subvariant detected so far. The concern is that it might well um, become the dominant variant. Dr. Prabhat Jha is talking about XBB 1.5, also known as the Kraken variant, after a mythological sea monster. But Dr. Isaac Bogosh says this monster's teeth might not be as sharp as first thought. Initially, they thought it represented about 40% of all uh, samples. It's actually been downgraded to about 20% of all samples in the United States. Still, the World Health Organization has called XBB 1.5 the most transmissible variant yet. And while it may not cause a particularly severe illness, Dr. Jha says the sheer numbers are a concern. If you've got millions of people getting infected, even a small percentage getting sick can put real pressure on our health care system. Dr. Jha says get your vaccinations and boosters and not just against COVID. People think, oh, flu season's already passed, but in fact, there's two peaks of flu. The next flu season is going to be in around February or so. He's even in favor of returning to masking in enclosed, crowded areas like transit and schools, saying the peak of XBB 1.5 infections likely won't be done until the end of January. Pauline Chan, CTV News. Well, there's some new guidance tonight on COVID-19 and self-isolation. The World Health Organization is suggesting 10 days of isolation from when symptoms first appear. That's for patients who haven't had a test. The WHO also advises that a patient can be discharged from isolation early if they have a negative result on an antigen-based rapid test. In addition, the UN agency is extending its strong recommendation for the use of the antiviral medicine Paxlovid. COVID-19 is also making its presence known in Hollywood. Jamie Lee Curtis has tested positive. The actor attended the Golden Globe Awards Tuesday with the rest of the cast of Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. She later posted a picture of her character from the movie looking sad with the caption, when you get COVID before the American Film Institute Awards, BAFTA and Critics' Choice Awards. She also shared a photo of her positive test saying, stay safe out there, people. The Super Bowl is just weeks away, and halftime performer Rihanna appeared in a trailer today that got fans buzzing. It's been 2,190 days. Dude, Rihanna, we waited It's for been you. over six years since the nine-time The video features the music superstar strutting her stuff. Audio recordings play of people asking when her first music since 2016 will come out. Rihanna then looks at the camera and makes a hushing motion. The trailer was captioned, the wait is almost over. The Super Bowl and its halftime show take place February 12th. Sam Smith is out with a new music video and song with some Canadian backup. The DTO's own Jesse Reyes features on Smith's song Gimme, providing the lyrics for the chorus. The song also features Jamaican rapper Coffee. Gimme appears on Smith's album Gloria, which is out on January 27th. It looks like the story of Thelma and Louise is heading to the stage with the help of some major star power. How come Daryl let you go? Because I didn't ask him. <laughs> He's gonna kill you! I left him a note. Variety reports a musical version of the 1991 movies being developed, and that's what Amanda Seyfried was working on 
when she missed her Golden Globe win Tuesday. The report says Evan Rachel Wood has also joined the project. The two performers have not commented. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. After the break, soaring into Canada's record books, a Calgary skier's gold-winning jumps in Japan today. He was a family man. He was a nice person. Updating our top stories, a 37-year-old man has been charged with first-degree murder in connection to a shooting in Scarborough. It happened December 30th. 34-year-old Gars Ara Burjakian was killed in the parkade of an apartment near Birchmount and Shepherd. The accused had reportedly lived in the same building. I mean, it's scary. I don't want to get shot. Definitely a pretty scary situation. Police continue to search for six people involved in a shooting inside of East York Secondary School yesterday. Police say a fight broke out in a bathroom and someone fired a gun, injuring one person. People don't care where they have to go as long as it has the same regulations. For-profit clinics are expected to take on a bigger role as Ontario's surgical backlog reaches the one million mark. The plan is expected to be unveiled next week. The Ford government says it will ease the strain on hospitals. A new report shows national house prices falling year over year for the first time in more than a decade. As BNM Bloomberg's Jacqueline Hansen tells us, there may be more tumbling to come. During the final months of 2022, national home prices declined by 2.8% compared to a year earlier. According to Royal LePage, it's the first time that's happened since the 2008 financial crisis. The firm forecasts a further drop in prices to start the year when comparing them to the peak prices seen at the start of 2022. Still, Royal LePage notes that prices are still up double digits from both 2019 and 2020. And while higher mortgage costs have deterred many prospective buyers, the CEO of Royal LePage, Phil Soper, says many are simply waiting patiently on the sidelines for the bottom. Canadian media company Chorus Entertainment says the industry continues to face an advertising recession. Advertising tends to get hit first when there's economic uncertainty. The CEO says the company is offsetting declines in traditional TV ad revenue by building up its digital platforms. TD analyst Vince Valentini says while there is no visible light at the end of the advertising recession tunnel, he expects it to start shining next year. He points out that ad spending typically recovers rapidly after a recession. Meanwhile, Tesla is cutting the prices of its electric vehicles by as much as 20 percent. A spokesperson for the company says some cost inflation in its supply chain has eased, and so it is passing on that relief to customers. Wedbush analyst Dan Ives expects it to boost sales after Tesla missed delivery estimates for last year. Ives says this is also CEO Elon Musk taking a shot at other EV makers. He said Tesla is not going to play nice in the sandbox with an EV price war now underway. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading lower slightly to 74.68 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil gained about $1.50 to almost $80 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select gained about $3.50 to a little under $57 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX ended the day higher by almost 150 points to 20,360.1.
That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNM Bloomberg. And if you're planning to fill your gas tank this weekend, you might want to get that taken care of before midnight. Energy experts say the price for regular at most GTA stations will rise two cents a liter Saturday to about $1.49. They're expecting another two cent hike Sunday. That'll bring prices to their highest level since late November. For the first time, a Canadian has reached the pinnacle at a World Cup women's ski jump event. Alexandria Laudit won gold in Japan today. The 19-year-old Calgarian came out on top with jumps of 95 meters and 98 and a half meters. She had two fourth-place finishes earlier this season in bronze at the Beijing Olympics. But today, Laudit finished with 240 points, beating everyone during a normal hill competition. It feels unreal and the best feeling for me was seeing that number one on the screen and getting to hug one of my best friends and my teammate. So, you know, it's pretty exciting that I'm not down here alone and I'm really proving that Abby and I are here fighting and, you know, what happened in Beijing was just not just luck, that we really earned it. It's just the third time a Canadian ski jumper has won a World Cup event and the first in 40 years. Tonight, new perspective on Canadian real estate prices. It can seem a bit jarring when you see that number for the first time. Fresh signs of a cooling market, and for some, a window of opportunity. We'll have that story and more later on CTV National News. Toronto is one of the most vibrant, diverse, and interesting cities on the planet. We're a world leader in many areas like business, finance, technology, entertainment, and culture. Each week, Things to Know TO shines a spotlight on a wide variety of local businesses, services, events, and initiatives from across the GTA that are working to make our city even greater. And one of the world's best places to live, work, and play. Join us Saturday mornings for Things to Know TO. I'm Zaraid Alman. Coming up, an arrest in a fatal Scarborough shooting last month. A suspect lived in the same building. And the search continues for six suspects involved in a shooting inside of an East York school. Join us tonight at 1130. It's one of nature's spectacles, the largest single gathering of turtles on Earth. And here they are, hundreds of thousands of giant South American river turtles. They're making a beeline for the water after hatching on beaches along the border between Brazil and Bolivia. The babies are normally born in mid-December. That's quite a few. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, we finally know just how much snow we got today, more than I thought. Yeah, we picked up about seven centimeters of snow at Pearson Airport, a little bit less downtown, closer to about five centimeters of snow. It was blowing and drifting around out there, so thank you to everybody who took measurements and reported them to Environment Canada. Here's a look, and boy, oh boy, we pale in comparison to Ottawa. About 26 centimeters of snow fell there. No surprise here, though, eastern sections of the GTA, so Pickering picking up a little more snow than Mississauga. But in the end, it was a, a decent little blast of winter that we got. Tomorrow, much calmer, mainly sunny skies. It's going to be cold, though, minus 5, wind chill minus 8. Hey, it's looking like a good weekend to maybe do some skiing, and the resorts have a good base at this time. I know we've been talking about just how mild it's been so far this January. A good weekend to participate in some wintertime activities. Uh, just dress accordingly. And then early next week, we're back above freezing. Highs of 2 and 3 degrees for Tuesday and for Wednesday. 
That's a look at the weather and a reminder tonight's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $55 million plus four Max millions. Nathan and Michelle. Thank you, Lindsay. And that's it for us. But be sure to join John Venna Valley Rao tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night. Good night. Thank you.